everyone, and welcome to the Green by Train podcast for Green Week 42. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Milt Proyer of QJack Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? Pretty good, Greg. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. So we've got uh, week 42 in the books. Um, last week, we previewed the new Transport Canada proposed regulations for service and performance. So we'll uh, touch quickly on week 42 performance, and then we'll get into a little bit of a deeper dive on those uh, regulations uh, or proposed regulations. So week 42, Mill, what did we see from railway performance? A little dip is a fair way to describe it. Of course, week 41 was you know, the best performance of the year with both railways kind of top in the charts, 99% overall. So it was inevitable, I think, to expect maybe a little bit of a, of a downturn this week. And we did see it, although overall still pretty good. CP with a little bit uh, larger fall, if you will, uh, on a percentage basis. I mean, they were still good at 92%, but they came down from 100%. And really over the last five or six weeks, they've been averaging 199, you know, week in and week out. So this one, you know, looks bad, even though it really isn't. CN, you know, good across the board, again, this week in all their major corridors, a little bit of a hiccup to Eastern Canada, but, but those volumes weren't substantial. But in the corridors that count, if you will, on a volume basis that drive the majority of the business, uh, Vancouver, Thunder Bay, Prince Rupert, it was nice to see CN consistent pretty much across the board, you know, 96% or better in each of those corridors. So when they perform well in those corridors, typically the top line is pretty good as well. Yeah, that definitely shows uh, the sort of the low demand and, and what slight uh Slight performance hiccups can can do to that that overall number. Uh, provincially, then probably pretty pretty standard across the board. Anything uh, notable in the provinces? Uh, no, pretty much a lot like last week. Followed very closely to overall system performance was good. Uh, all three provinces, uh, both railways. I think the the worst performance we saw in week forty two was in Saskatchewan for CP, where they were at ninety percent. So. You know, everything else was above 90% in all other provinces for both CN and CP. It's kind of refreshing if you think of it in terms of these days, we know there's still variability in performance on a week-to-week basis. But the question that's more likely to cross your mind is how good as opposed to how bad, which is kind of the question we've been asking ourselves for months and months and months through the winter. So it's going to come and go a little bit, but I think all in all now, it's probably going to be generally good. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And as history would, would show, that's that's usually the case at this time of the year. Okay, well, let's uh, turn our attention to the service performance indicators. Uh, we've been involved in this process since the beginning. The Crop Logistics Working Group has you know offered uh, comments on this process. So it's a good opportunity for us now, I think, to take stock. So first question, Milt, compared to the transitional metrics, is what is being proposed in Gazette 1 better? Yeah, I, I think... Uh... In short, I think the answer to that is yes. I think there was probably a general consensus amongst a lot of stakeholders that the transitional metrics 
weren't very good, but that these, after much consultation between Transport Canada and stakeholders, including shippers and shipper associations and railways and the whole gamut, they've come out with a product that that appears to be significantly more comprehensive with respect to its scope and the, the amount of things that are measured, the level of detail of those things that are measured and the scope of those measurements. And in addition to that, the way that they're structured, which is one of transport's objectives going into this consultation period, uh, they're more appropriate for, you know, the quote unquote Canadian context. As you said in the opening, the transitional metrics were lifted directly from the state's surface transportation board metrics that had been put in place uh, five or six years ago, uh, which were designed, uh, you know, for the U.S. market, which is admittedly a little bit different than the Canadian rail freight market. So I think that improvement is also going to help. They have the potential to be better. What people will do with them will be a different question, I think. So can you give us a sense, Mel, what kind of metrics are in here? What are we talking about as far as indicators? Well, the way that transport has structured this, you know, as much, I think, for simplicity of communication, they've looked at it in four basic categories. So first mile on route destination or last mile, if you will, and uh, asset-based metrics. And if you think of a railroad journey from its origin through to its destination, and you follow that along in your mind, that's kind of how these metrics line up. So the first mile metrics are intended to look uh, very much at performance at shipper origins, which is primarily related to issues like dwell times. So once cars are loaded and released to the railways, how long do they sit before railways pick them up? How many of those cars are there? Where are they? And you know, where are they headed? What commodities, et cetera. And then there's a group of metrics that are tailored to the over-the-road journey, if you will, the en route part of the trip. So things like transit time, you know, how long does it take to get from A to B, the number of cars that are dwelling online, which tends to speak to perhaps congestion in the railway network, terminal dwell times, intermediate terminal dwell times, if you will, which are intended to, again, talk to railway congestion and railway efficiency, because that's where trains pass through and and train combinations get connected, et cetera. Last mile metrics. So at destination and kind of the same metrics that you have at origin, just turned around for the destination end. So destination dwell, cars not moving at destination, et cetera. Then they have a series of asset metrics because obviously, you know, railroad performance is one thing, but one way to try and understand railway performance is by understanding, you know, the assets that have been put in place to execute that performance. So the principal ones there are metrics around railway locomotive fleets effectively the availability or in-service level of locomotives. And one that was just added at the very end, which is a very interesting one, and I think a really good one, is a metric around train crews, operating crews, so locomotive engineers and conductors. And what the government has put in place is the requirement for the railways to report on the number of train operating personnel, so engineers and conductors that are available for service each week, Unfortunately, at a very high level of geographic segmentation, just provincially, but it's certainly a step in the right direction because it is an important asset metric to understand railway performance. Yeah, it's a really important metric and and one that a lot of groups had been asking for in the process that uh, it was nice to see uh, put in there uh, in these in this final Gazette One version or at least interim Gazette One version. So that was positive news. 
further to that, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of groups were commenting on the, during this process and asking for certain things. Um, generally, mail, how would shippers in the stakeholder community uh, be expected to benefit from these indicators uh, if they are published as they are? You know, I think generally stakeholders broadly, you know, when we talk in this context, we, we often tend to refer to freight shippers specifically. I think that for the most part, getting to this step is going to be seen positively by stakeholder groups because it's going to contribute to, you know, improving, enhancing the transparency of performance in the rail system, which is what people have been trying to do for a long time. I mean, it's one of the reasons that you know, ATC started was to develop metrics to enhance visibility into the performance of the system because, you know, left to their own devices, unfortunately, the railways wouldn't offer uh, much in that regard. Having said that, while I think the view is generally positive, not all stakeholders got what they were looking for with respect to, you know, very specific metrics or the level of detail around those metrics. But there's good reasons for that. I mean, some metrics simply, uh, frankly, were not appropriate or practical to try and implement in this context. There are issues that are, you know, need to be respected, confidentiality issues. Uh, some of them, in fact, expressed by specific shipper groups, some by the railways, which have resulted, you know, in order to protect those interests, which is a, a valid thing to do in the aggregation some reporting, uh, specifically in the level of commodity detailed reporting and in the level of geographic reporting. And so for these, for the, the whole suite of metrics, you know, we're going to get, for the most part, provincial level information and Canada-wide level information, which, you know, is, is not the best, if you will, but significantly better than we've seen historically. Whether or not shippers or stakeholders will benefit from this that's a good question. And really it comes down to the issue of what will people do with this? So there's going to be a lot of data that's going to be published on a weekly basis. And I would segregate for listeners the idea of data versus information. You know, when you read a report, whether that's an ATC weekly report or any other kind of report around performance, uh, those reports tend to convey uh, information on performance that are supported by data. But what the government is planning to publish based on what's going to be submitted by the railways is going to be data. And they're effectively going to publish the data as opposed to interpreting that data. At least I haven't heard in the short term that they're planning on, on doing anything in that regard. So it will be up to stakeholders to take that data and do something with it to turn it into information regarding performance, interpret that information, decide whether it's good or it's bad, and then use it how they see fit. So everybody will have the opportunity, I think, for greater insight into system performance. The question really will be, you know, will people take advantage of that opportunity by applying whatever resources are necessary within their organizations? to turn that data into valuable information around performance and then leverage that performance for continued improvement in the system. So Mill, from a, from a high level, how, do, how does this differ from, say, what the ATC is doing uh, particularly? Well, the biggest difference is that ATC is exclusively focused on grain, whereas these metrics will cover all commodity groups. ATC for the most part, is focused on traffic that is originated in 
Western Canada, albeit traffic that goes in multiple corridors, whether it's east, west, or south. This uh, will deal with traffic that originates and moves on a system-wide basis. So there'll be just as much reporting on traffic originating in you know, Quebec and Ontario as there is in the prairies. A lot of the metrics are similar, although I guess the one great differentiator, if you will, is ATC has a very strong focus on order fulfillment performance because that's a metric that grain shippers deem to be critical for them because they rely so heavily on railway supplied equipment. And there is no order fulfillment metric uh, in the suite of uh, regulations that's being proposed by Transport Canada. The grain industry uh, made a concerted effort as part of uh, you know, the ongoing consultation process to have those metrics included, recognizing that they're not appropriate for all traffic or even all industry sectors, but they are for grain and they are for a number of other commodities that rely on railway supplied equipment. Forest products is one, mining is another. But having said that, Transport Canada looked at it quite extensively and decided not to include them for two reasons, I think, generally. One, they didn't feel that the metrics could be done with the required level of accuracy without intervention, if you want to think of it that way. And just to give you some color on that, when we do order fulfillment for ATC, there's a lot of you know, involvement with shippers who are supplying the data, clarification of the data, validation of the data, and that goes on on a weekly basis. So for a process that the railways would produce effectively, you know, raw performance data that says shippers ordered this many cars, railway supplied this many cars, this many of them were on time, there wouldn't be that window for validation of the data So they didn't feel that the metric would necessarily be effective. That plus the fact that it wasn't universally applicable. And I think one of the principles that transport kind of settled into at the end of the day was they were looking for metrics that had a certain universality to them so that they would speak to all shippers and not just individual segments of shippers. I think that's the fundamental difference between what we do and and this. Yeah, and there's a, there's also an element, and I think we, we made the point within it, that the data provided for the proposed indicators comes from the railways themselves, right? So there, there's, there's definitely an independence verification and auditability that, that occurs in the ATC that, that is, is fairly unique, and I think that it's valuable for, for shippers to have that. And so, so they are different, and, and obviously just the, the ability for shippers, I think you know, we, we produce reports for shippers, they can use it, they can use those reports, they can see their individual performance against the, the larger you know, aggregate benchmark is also important. So I think the bottom line, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, is that what we're seeing in the regulations can't necessarily replace some of those valuable things that we see produced from, from the ATC. No, and I think that's right. And, and your point about the, uh, the independence of the exercise is, is a valid one. And, and you know, as, as we know, and as we've talked about before, one of the things that, sh- that uh, freight shippers in particular through the consultation period with transport were looking for was exactly that element. They wanted to have, rather than the railways produce their own performance data, they wanted the railways to produce the data in such a way that it could be independently audited and verified. And there was a lot of discussion about that throughout the consultation process, but for a number of reasons, 
Some of them related to regulations and legislation. Transport basically said that's not going to happen. So that's not one that shippers got, although I think generally speaking, shippers see that as a very important element of this kind of activity, very much because of the fact that there are trust issues between the parties. Shippers, for the most part, would be comforted, I think, uh, and I think grain shippers are through the ATC process, that there is that you know, independent view and process to validate the data as best as it can be validated. So that, that is a thing that's lacking in the, in the Transport Canada approach. Okay, Mel. Well, thanks a lot for your insight into these. Uh, obviously, I think there will be uh, lots to discuss as we move through this process. Like I said, uh, Gazette One is happening now, but we'll have other periods of focus on these. So appreciate your insights as always. For those who'd like to see the Ag Transport Coalition reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye.